At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Welcome back, Baptist Health Talk podcast listeners. Hope you're all masking up and staying safe. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco. I'm a preventative cardiologist and lipidologist at the Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute and Chief Population Health Officer at Baptist Health South Florida. For today's podcast, we're going to discuss health screenings, which ones to get, which ones to skip. We talk about prevention quite a bit in healthcare. We say that people should always get proper preventative care. Um, We raise concerns and we say that more money and attention should be spent on preventative services rather than what we tend to do, which is wait for people to get sick and take care of them. But what do we mean when we say prevention? I have this conversation with my patients all the time. Well, arguably, it's when we as healthcare practitioners will look at someone who looks stable, doesn't have symptoms, and say, is there anything going on right now that can cause problems in the future that's preventable? And of course, what do we ultimately want to prevent? Well, that's death. We won't be able to prevent death, but we'd like to delay it for a long time and make sure it's under our own terms. And we want to maintain a good quality of life during our during that time period, which brings us to the concept and the understanding of screening tests and how they can sometimes be confused with diagnostic tests. In the United States, we do have medical guidelines for several high value screening tests for things like colon cancer and cervical cancer, osteoporosis and more. Yet we tend to under screen certain conditions and over screen and test others. Here to help us unpack the confusion and give guidance about the proper indications and timing of screening tests is Dr. Douglas Enciarte. Dr. Enciarte has many credentials and roles within Baptist Health, which include he's the director of the West Kendall Baptist Health Florida International University Family Medicine Residency Program, and he's the chief of family medicine. He's also an associate professor of family medicine at the Herbert Wertheim College of Medicine at FIU. Welcome, Doug. Jonathan, a pleasure being here. Thank you so much for inviting me to uh, to this podcast. Great. Um, and I'm sure we're going to have a good dialogue. So, you know, you and I have these conversations often, but for our listeners, let's start with some basics. Why Why do we screen? Why do we take someone who looks good and said, we're going to have you do a test or we're going to do something to you? Ostensibly, I feel good. Why don't you just leave me alone? What's the purpose of screening? Yes. Uh, the purpose of a screening is uh, basically to prevent. Prevent and as part of the preventive care um, to include also a uh, catching uh, if there's any decline in your in the health of the individual. Um, it's uh, also part of that knowing if you have a disease, you have the disease. So um, it helps a lot to uh, the again prevention, and it has to be as well with uh, preventing future health decline in certain in, in the patient. So, so when we talk about this uh, early detection of something that could be preventable, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that are sold as screening tests to people in the community. What really makes a good screening test? When we as practitioners or our medical organizations say this is something that should be done in people periodically, what what differentiates those screening tests from other things that people say, you know, just, just do this every year or get this done or spend money on, on this test? Yeah, interesting question. So number one, it has to be with benefits. Is this really, this test is going to give you benefits? It's going to give you the real information that you're going to need. Second, is this something that it's gonna not gonna give any harms? Is it something that it's not gonna a testing that you don't have to do um, that is gonna create harm to the patient? And then, of course, the cost. Is it something that uh, is gonna give you the cost? Is gonna give you the information and the benefits with no harms? 
So, so arguably, when we talk about things like, um, let's just do a CAT scan on everyone every day of their whole body and we'll pick something up, but not safe, a lot of radiation, very costly. So in the equation of what to do includes, as you just articulated, cost, safety, um, other components, otherwise just look for everything at all times. Um, and, and I appreciate that. Um, something that I as a cardiologist always um, um, reference is, uh, and I mentioned it in the introductory comments before we get to particular screenings, the difference between a screening test and a diagnostic test. And the, the example I always use is a stress test. People come in and say, time for my stress test. No, a stress test properly is if you have symptoms that could be heart-related, the stress test will diagnose it, but it's not a test to do just regularly. Might have false positives, which makes it a, I mean, abnormal with nothing really going on, which makes it a safety issue, not cheap. So how would you look at the difference when people come to you between a true screening test which you recommend versus a diagnostic test, which which arguably doesn't need to do be done routinely. So again, and it has to be with uh, a. Do you have the disease? Yes or no. Do you have symptoms? Yes or no. When you have symptoms, that's when you know diagnostic testing is going to be allowed to do. You have shortness of breath. Do you have chest pain? Do you have uh, symptoms that actually I can feel like you're, you're going to need to have an extra testing, which is going to actually prove if you have the disease or not. And in those cases, you know, we look at it in the scientific world, you know, when we go to med school, uh, sensitivity, specificity, right? When you're talking about specificity, which in other words is, do you really have the disease? Um, but in an oppressive of symptoms, then we utilize some diagnostic testing. And there's examples where we actually we do both. Like you mentioned the colonoscopy. Colonoscopies will give you a screening, but also diagnostic because you're actually right there. You can actually take, you know, a piece um, of your intestine if you have a polyp in the case of a patient. And then, of course, you can have the pathologist to tell you this is really something that needs more attention. So that, that, that's a great explanation. Um, and again, I really want the listeners to think about something that's being done as if for screening or for diagnosis and don't confuse them. So let's go through some of the, the, the main screening type of tests that we recommend um, for people. Um, um, you mentioned colonoscopy. Let, let's start with that. Um, when should it be done? Uh, how frequently, um, um, what would you say to someone who says, well, I'm concerned about X, Y, and Z. What's, what's your experience from that standpoint? So let's start with colonoscopies. Excellent. So um, the colonoscopies now with uh, recent guidelines from the uh, USPSTF, which is for audiences, is the United States Preventive uh, Service Task Force, which is our, basically our guru in the country and even in the world of what to do uh, in terms of uh, screening and guide us, you know, what's appropriate based on your age and risk factors. So nowadays, actually, colon cancer screening is age 45, uh, just came a month ago or so, and when typically was 50, um, and nowadays it's 45 years old. So uh, one of the uh, ways to do, again, screening and diagnostic is uh, the gold standard, which is a colonoscopy. Now there's other testing also that we offer in the in the uh, in the office, which is uh, a fecal um, um, blood test, uh, fecal alcohol blood test, which is done every year. It's basically a sampling of the stool, uh, three samples of the stool and a card, and then goes back to uh, the lab and then gets analyzed if you have uh, blood or not. There's another one which is the FIT uh, DNA, which is uh, another uh, screening uh, tool. It's not diagnostic; it's only screening where uh, you basically um, um, uh, put the, um, the sample in a container and then send to a lab and is evaluated, is done every three years, which is very, 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 uh, has a lot of uh, great sensitivity and great experience. 
Um, those are the, the three ways, the most common ways that we do that. It, and, and there's another way, which is, is the uh, rectal sigmoid, you know, technique, which is we don't do as often as we did in the past. When, when you have a patient, and again, the purpose of the screening colonoscopy, safe, validated with outcomes to prevent, to detect a colon carcinoma or something that can lead to colon cancer early to prevent a colon cancer death. Um, do the patients, do you give them a choice between those techniques or is one better than the other, but if they really don't want that, they get another one. How do you differentiate between those, those options? Yes. Um, obviously, you know, it depends on the communication that we have and the trust that we have with the patients. Right. And uh, it always comes around. Okay. Yeah. I think for you as your doctor and in our relationship, I think the best test for you at this point, will be a colonoscopy and explain why. And, and always when you explain the why and why, again, this is a testing that a screening testing that will also help you and diagnose you and prevent further health decline in, in the future, which is basically the, col the colorectal cancer is such of a great tool for them to do with. Uh, and then that's, this is where we put the uh, safety side that we know the safety of this testing is it's, it's pretty good. Um, the cost, it's uh, the insurances will recognize this has so much value that, you know, the cost is it's uh, it's very less for the for the patients to do. Um, some patients will have concerns about, you know, the prepping. Hey, uh, how is this prepping done? You know, they have to get prep, you know, they have to have a specific diet. And then we always reassure them this is actually worth to do. Um, even the procedure, some patients will come back to the clinic and will say, hey, this procedure was just a fly. You know, I went to the suite. They treat me very well. Uh, went to the lab in Baptist. You know, I basically, you know, uh, was in the table. And then suddenly I just closed my eyes and I woke up. It was a second. And uh, and everything went well. And it was worthwhile to tell because, you know, again, you know, we'll give you the uh, information that you know that every 10 years you're you're clear for any problems with your call. I always laugh and say with our with our work with our workload when I had my colonoscopy uh, in the morning totally painless came home slept for an hour and I had the rest of the day off I'm like oh wow what a wonderful way to get a day off from work is to get a colonoscopy you know <laughs> but it, uh, <laughs> but it yes. really is a, a safe and painless procedure it is how about um, let's talk about osteoporosis both in terms of uh, briefly what it is and what we would do in terms of screening for uh, uh, patients uh, women more particularly uh, uh, regarding uh, that medical disorder. Simple words of uh, osteoporosis is weakness of your uh, bones, um, and it's done after uh, age 65, around 65, depending on also if you have any chronic um, problems such as uh, lupus, uh, such as if you're exposed to uh, steroids. Um, uh, obviously, if, you, if you're young and you have a sudden, you know, uh, fracture, which is, you know, you just fell and you know, fell from your bed, for example, and then you had a, a fracture of your ankle, that, that probably will prompt you to have a screening test for uh, osteoporosis. But it's done commonly at age 65, depending, of course, you know, any comorbid conditions. Some patients, especially our female uh, patients, uh, will have premature ovarian failure. Those are the ones that are indicated to at least have um, a screening test with uh, a bone scan every two years. And this is a screening that's done every two years that we do commonly in patients at age 65. Safe. Fast, cheap, again, yes, safe, cheap, and uh, and again, you know, uh, it's uh, harmless. It's an X-ray scan, you know. It's so and it's quick to do, and it's again, cost is is low. What are the other uh, general screening tests that um, um, we recommend as we care for our patients? Um, uh, mammogram, uh, breast cancer screening. That's our top, top, top number one that we do with uh, every uh, patient that we see in the in the clinic for their physicals every year. 
uh, highly recommended to do. There's uh, if when we read, you know, about the guidance and what to do, there's going to be differences between some societies and the American Cancer Societies and all societies, you know, involved with uh, breast cancer screenings. We continue to do that at age uh, 40. Uh, there are some indications that will push it to 50 years old, but we know that uh, it's a sensitive um, a screening that uh, our female patients will ask to do. No harm, low cost, and very effective, and you know will give us a lot of information. So we do that every year. Um, and again, we can go through plenty, but just uh, speak specifically about a chest X-ray. Is that a, a proper screening test? And not a proper screening test. Again, it has to be with more diagnostic. If I have a patient that comes with uh, the physical and they say I have shortness of breath, I have a cough that's been more than six months, you know, I uh, there is a decline in my uh, my health, and I wanted to uh, to have again a um, in in a way uh, diagnostic you know tool will be the chest X-ray. Otherwise, no. The only thing that will be if we again indicate a study that has to be done is going to be for lung cancer, and that's going to apply for the heaviest smoke for the heavy smoker, um, which as you know, it's uh, if you have a history of 30 pack year um, or, or we have concerns that we need to do the screening right away. And it's and again, uh, it's uh, well covered by insurances, um, including Medicare um, as well. When you come with your, uh, when you come when you're 65 and you come for your annual physical, if it's indicated a, a CT, uh, it's a low dose, which basically has less radiation. It's a low dose uh, CAT scan, a, um, a uh, um, test and uh, it's pretty effective to do as well. So that, that's a great point and a great example for the purposes of this discussion. So uh, someone comes in and says, shouldn't I get my lung scanned? And you're like, are you fine? Well, the answer is no, it's not a screening test. But for a population of heavy smokers, then because of the higher preponderance of an outcome, which could be cancer, then it would be a screening test. So again, these are very individualized and personalized when you see your primary care doctor. Um, why do you find people in the community don't get proper screenings. I mean, the numbers do support that we have more people who should be getting screenings who are eligible than, than actually are. What, what do you see as the pushback? It's, there's, it's uh, you know, I'll put it this way. When we divide, you know, uh, the, uh, the populations, when we see male uh, patients versus female patients, female patients, they tend to be more conscious about, you know, screening. They know that when they're 25, they need to get to the, the, the offices to get their, um, pap smears and their physicals and getting their labs. That's a population that we see more prone to come to the office and have screenings. And then um, for males, they typically, when they come to the office, it's because number one, they're very aware they wanted to be healthy or two, the wives are calling to have their, um, their uh, preventative service done. So this is the population that we know the male population is because of a fear. It's, it sometimes it has to be with more information, education of why it's so important to have prevention um, uh, for the, from, the, you know, from, uh, from seeing a, a provider in the clinic. I think actually you, you, you're, what you're saying is something that's very interesting. If we peel back one step is first they have to see the doctor, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's right. you know, the first step, which you always emphasize is you should have primary care doctor. You should have a relationship with your primary care doctor in the practice, and that will afford you the opportunity to see screenings. But again, when many people are busy and they feel fine, they don't think about these preventive type of, uh, of, of uh, efforts. So I appreciate that. Um, what are the common tests that you see, we've mentioned a couple, that people ask for in the sense that they think it's screening that you may say, no, you really don't need that or you don't need it every year or whatever. Um, um, what are the kind of things that you see that are out there? 
for the most part, when we talk about screening tests and what type of uh, labs we're going to do, we talk about the hematology labs, we talk about chemistry, the metabolic panel, which is, again, I always uh, uh, give the analogy to the patients. This is kind of like the, the soup of your body sodium, potassium, we're looking at your kidneys, we're looking at uh, your liver, you know, let's look at your cholesterol, which is really important for our colleagues in cardiology is just to mm-hmm. make sure that we check, you know, we're following, you know, uh, a lipid panel, a fasting lipid panel, right? Mm-hmm. And actually making sure that fasting lipid panel is it's uh, prepared appropriately in terms of having the patients to be to have follow at least some diet before doing the uh, testing. And then uh, we also uh, evaluate which again, it doesn't have too much support to do every year, but we also include a uh, thyroid, which is a a TSH. Um, In those cases, a lot of people ask me about a urine test and it's not indicated to do a urine test every year as we thought in in the past that we always have to have a urine test. We always keep that in a little bit more depending on symptoms. And then finally, depending on the age of the patient, especially on male um, uh, patients, then they will always like to ask about the prostate uh, exam, uh, which is done either uh, is done through the uh, digital rectal examination and uh, which private area for uh, male um, patients and also having the PSA, the prosthetic uh, specific antigen that we do after age 50. There's always a, a caveat that some other patients when they're 80, they were asked, why not, you know, checking this or this, and why not I'm not eligible for a colonoscopy or for a PSA? We'll tell them it's because based on your age, you know, um, uh, uh, you don't need it to, you know, we know that scientifically we don't have to uh, do it. But some, you know, um, patients will ask, hey, can I get it done? And, you know, we, we, uh, we see the benefits and the, uh, and the harms and the, and the costs, and we, we put that in the equation as well. And we, we negotiate and we, we talk about it. So, <laughs> but, but that's a great point. We talk about when people should start getting screenings, at what age. There's also a time when you don't need them anymore. The, the data of the testing in an asymptomatic person doesn't support that this test will find something that is otherwise of concern for preventable. So that's a, that's a, that's a good perspective as, as well. Um, you know, I, I've seen certain data regarding our own population and national trends. What's going on with COVID? What are you seeing in your practice? Are we, are people keeping up on those screenings? Are people following through? Um, uh, if not, what can we recommend to them uh, regarding, uh, regarding that? Uh, COVID-19, Jonathan, you know, um, more to come. I, 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 I'm perceiving that some of our patients, again, because of fear of going to a clinic, um, when they have diabetes, hypertension, uh, when they have other comorbid problems. Um, the majority of them, when we see them in our practice, which actually we're seeing uh, patients when they have, um, uh, they even were exposed or they have symptoms or they're actually in recovery from uh, coronavirus. One of the first things that we're really seeing is mental health uh, decline, seeing a lot of anxiety, depression, um, that's something that we really were seeing in primary care. That's uh, when you ask any other providers in our practices, they will tell you there's a lot of people who's really anxious about what's going on and including depression, um, or they never had any uh, mental problems and they started to have them because of the isolation caused by uh, coronavirus. You know, it's uh, it's incredible. And there's more that we in primary care, we're gonna end up, you know, seeing at the end of the line when, Things are more stable, and we hope that's going to be uh, uh, soon. But we, I think we're going to see a lot of a more comorbid uh, uh, diseases that we could uh, t- tackle 
if we didn't have, you know, coronavirus at the front from the first place. So more to come. But number one is mental problems, John. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of mental problems. And and the conversation we're having is thinking of screening in the terms of a test, but we do screen in primary care for mental health issues with surveys and things like that as that's well, correct. right? That's correct. So, Every yeah. visit we do the patient health questionnaire too. We ask two questions. So yeah. to, to assess for, you know, for, for depression or things like yes, that. Yeah, so again, my take home point is go to primary care, listen to your primary care. The recommendations for screening tests are based on science, based on medical guidelines. If you're asking for something and the primary care doctor says you really don't need that, it's based on science. You don't need that. So, um, again, great stuff. And I, and I appreciate it. That's why, uh, again, I, I consider you a great resource um, for our, our communities, our, our, uh, our burgeoning doctors and our, and our family medicine residency program as well. Um, any final comments, Doug? Again, uh, great, great information. I really appreciate your, uh, your insights. Any, anything you want to emphasize or any, anything we left out? Obviously, we weren't going to go through all screening tests. But um, I think the premise of what they're about, what they're for, uh, was was brought forth in the conversation. Thank you, Jonathan. You know, this is incredible. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, one of the things that always will happen in the, uh, in the office uh, when you come and see your primary care doctor occurs also with uh, screening and discussing about screening. The other aspect to discuss is about diet, you know, lifestyle modifications, exercise, how much exercise you do. Some people will just don't know, okay, how much exercise and what type of exercise I can do. And then we address, you know, how, how important it is to uh, not only to reduce, you know, burden of disease, but also to prevent death, how much exercise is so important um, in, 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 that, in that aspect, including uh, diet, you know, diet is so important. You know, I always ask to patients, what's your relationship with food, you know, and they will just look at me like, I love food. It's like, well, you know, everybody loves food. But we have you know, a great relationship with food. <laughs> right. And uh, and then, of course, you know, that, that opened up the discussion of, you know, what's your habits? You know, why, you know, um, it, it's so important to just keep your habits. Always very important to ask about sleep. You know, how's your sleep? You know, sometimes we just leave that, you know, out of the table. How's, you know, you, are you sleeping okay? And sometimes you can tackle, I'm not sleeping well. Um, my wife cannot sleep with me. It's like, okay, you know why your wife cannot sleep? Well, because I snore so much. And then sometimes, you know, we have uh, the luck to have uh, the spouse, you know, next to us, you know, I turn around and it's like, he snores too much. And then on top of that, he stops breathing. I'm like, okay, well, we got another, you know, factor that we have to consider here on our screening process, which is going to be uh, sleep apnea, which is so interesting as well. So we can tackle so many problems down the road if we, if we do, treat, you know, sleep apnea, um, uh, promptly. So I love you it. Know, uh, primary care doctor, go and see your primary care doctor. We're trained. We're here for you. We, we wanted to take care of you. Um, we understand, you know, next steps and, you know, uh, when it's appropriate actually to do testing and then when it's also appropriate to send you to the right direction and what specialists you should see. Well, again, great stuff. I appreciate the tee up. We have an upcoming podcast on insomnia and proper sleep hygiene. So <laughs> we'll, we'll keep it in our ecosystem of, of, of preventive care. Well, well, thanks, Doug. Again, this was great information and I think very valuable to our listeners. Um, to our listeners, uh, thanks for participating in this podcast. As usual to our listeners, if you have any thoughts, ideas, requests for future topics, please email us at baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. That's Baptist Health Talk at baptisthealth.net. Uh, feel free to leave a positive review for us on any of the sites that you use to listen to your podcasts. And as usual, stay safe and mask up, South Florida. 
Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.